Welcome to another episode of Mentored Minds. Today, I am happy to chat with our wonderful co-host, Sabina Cartasio, about her current role as a program manager. For those that are new here, Sabina has been a program manager at Microsoft for over two years now, working in the AIML space. She has also had many roles in other traditional computer science areas like software engineering and research. Today, we talk about what program management is, how it compares to these other roles, and some actionable steps to take if you're interested in following her path. Okay, so like we always do, Shayla, are you ready? I need a demo. Would you like to kick us off with your win of the week? I did have a very nice Mother's Day, as we've, we discussed, but I will say that one of the different things that we I enjoyed this week was that we got to hang out a little bit. Yeah. So we got Aww. to hang out. So I got to hang out with my mom on Mother's Day. Nice family time, but I also got to hang out with a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sappy. Ignore me. That's beautiful, Shayla. Wow. <laughs> You're so cute. It's um, that's an awesome win of the week because it's friends, it's family. Yeah. So I'm I'm just very thankful and grateful to like off topic, like just grateful to have you as a friend. But my win of the week, Shayla was also Mother's Day. Uh, it was just really, really, really nice to to spend time with her and um, just kind of, it's almost um, reminiscent, you know? Like, I know I've only been away for like two, two years and all, but kind of being back home made me feel like a child, you know? And I, I've also been able to reconnect. One, seeing people like Shayla, which is fantastic, but I, I talk to you quite a bit. You know what I mean? So for for to see you in person, it's just like, oh, this is so nice. I get to like <laughs> interact with you in a different way. But there's also friends that don't do really good with long distance. Like you could tell they're there for me, but it's tough. Long distance relationships uh, of any kind. And seeing them in person again is just like reminding me like how much I love them. And like if I were to leave again, like I know that that bond is really strong, but sometimes you forget over time. So I would say my win of the week is definitely like friends, family, uh, being back home is is really so much more than I thought it was going to be really Mm -hmm. Hmm. so to hop on to the topic of today which we're going to be learning all about product management we're gonna I'm really interested in hearing your perspective because you've had all these different kinds of roles in computer science and I kind of want to hear your story why you chose product management and how they compared to more traditional software engineering roles or research roles definitely yeah so uh, I think kind of in the intro, you'll learn that I had um, tech internships. So this is a uh, coding software development internships at a couple of different companies, um, some big, some small, some in finance, some more tech heavy. And then I also did research for about six to eight months um, as an undergrad student. And then I had product management for two years. And uh, kind of I had a little taste of the pot, you know, <laughs> I tried out different things and I I've said this before. I know I've said this on the podcast because I tell every young person this, um, but I got advice from my aunt who is, was, and still is my best mentor. And she told me that as I went through internships, as I went through meeting people and trying out new things, is you take internships, you take opportunities, not to find what you enjoy, not to find what you like, but to find what you don't like. And then it becomes a process of elimination because the truth is you, you're not going to find what you love day one. You might find the field, you might find a particular uh, niche area, but you won't find the thing you love until much later in life. And it, it's going to evolve and change. So I, I think that advice 
stuck with me and it made me a lot less um scared made me fearless almost in the sense that I was just going to try things I was going to go get that internship even if it meant I had to live in the middle of nowhere North Carolina (laughs) for three months (laughs) you know I was going to take that opportunity in Seattle downtown where I felt like imposter syndrome I was going to do research even though I was an undergrad student with no research experience. I was going to move into a role in a new city, in a new state, in a field, in a company I had never been in or touched um, because I was really just trying it. There was no sense of commit, like deep commitment. And I think that that's kind of what led me on the journey along the way. Um, but to kind of answer your question, the the reason that I picked PM is I you know, wasn't in love with the outcome that I caught from being an engineer. That being that I would code and at most I would be told good job on a really, really good project. I was told I saved the company lots of money. And I felt like, man, is that what I'm doing it for? (laughs) You know, is is that why I'm working my butt off? Is it to save a company money? Not that there's any shame in that. That's awesome. I'm very proud of myself for achieving that, but it isn't, it wasn't my goal. It wasn't what I was hoping. Yeah. It didn't align with what I was trying to achieve with my life much, you know, not just my work, but my life. And uh, that's when I tried out research. And with research, I definitely was able to see not impact right away, but that the problems we were working on would have impact, that they were in areas that mattered. The thing with research is I think it would take a long time before you get to see the impact of your work. But I I got the side. (laughs) You would know a lot about that. (laughs) You know, so um, I, I never got to see the impact of my work, but I got to work on things that I thought really mattered. You know what I mean? So that, that was that was very rewarding. And then I briefly learned about the PM row. Uh, we could talk more about it later, but I briefly learned about the PM row through people that would come to our university for career fairs, people I would meet at conferences, hackathons. And every time I met a PM, they were just so enthusiastic, ready to teach ready to mentor, all of it. And they excited me that there's no other way to say it. Like I was so excited when I saw them and I would look for them every, every year that they'd come, I'd look for those people and I'd be like, Oh, can we grab lunch? Or do you have five minutes to talk? And I wasn't trying to go after their job. Uh, I didn't understand their job. I didn't want it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But I went to a conference in secret. Like I didn't even tell all of the people that I had met, even though I met a lot of people from that company, I didn't tell anyone. I went to a conference and I interviewed with the same company, but not the people that I knew. And uh, I got, you know, past the first rounds. I went into like the final rounds and in the final rounds, my group, my network got notified. And they're like, why didn't you tell us that you were interviewing? (laughs) I was like, I wanted to do this on my own. You know, I wanted to see if it was right for me. I wasn't being influenced by my, uh, you know, my opinions. And as I was going through it, I loved the fact that I was thinking about why does this matter? How do you convince people that this matters if you can't convince yourself that it matters? What considerations do you have to take to actually make this a reality? And that was the missing, that was kind of the missing link between research and SDE. With, with software development, it's all about building it. Like, how do you build it? How do you make it happen? But you don't really get into the impact, the whys, the before even, like, why are we doing it? And then what impact does it have? You're just kind of in the middle. And then with research, you're just like, why are we doing it? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? It's like the greater good. Uh (laughs) to solve all world's problems but when you're when I was doing the interviews for PM it was very much like 
okay, let's talk about the beginning. Let's talk about the funding and resourcing. And let's talk about how you're going to market it. How are you going to get it into people's households, in people's hands? And I was like, (gasps) you know, these are great questions. So that's, that's how I got into it. Like putting all those good ideas and development into practice and getting people to use it to actually make a strong impact. Cool. So you already kind of hinted into, you know, what product management entails. So what kind of technical skills do you require with this kind of job? seems like you could just kind of need all of it. So I would say that um, the, the reason you're always going to hear ambiguous definitions of what a, so at Microsoft, we call them program managers, but uh, out in the wild, you'll refer to this as a product manager. It, it's always going to be an ambiguous definition because it depends. It depends on the team. It depends on the company. This role is so, you have to be so flexible. Don't come in if you're like type A that has to know exactly what's going on. Not going to happen. Yeah, you know, you could be a little type A, but not too much. Um, Reason being is you're doing everything. You know, you'll often hear that PMs are building the roadmap, but no one ever takes into consideration what it means to build a roadmap. How do you decide what should be done first? You know, something's important, but is it blocking one customer or is it reducing your error rates by 50%? Right. So one is a direct customer ask, but the other one impacts the product as a whole. Which one should you do first? What kind of uh, do you need a data scientist on that? Do you need an engineer, a designer? Which resources are free first? What makes sense? So you kind of have to be really in loop with what engineers are doing, what your product needs, what your customers need. And you also have to think about competitors. Well, I mean, if this already exists out in the market, we have to get on par or we have to build the next best thing. So there's a lot of moving parts. Um, The reason that I'm I'm sharing this is some of the skills require being very, very, very comfortable with ambiguity. If, if you're a person who likes clear definition requirements and that's how you work it, like, give me my requirements, I'll go build it. Stay in engineering, (laughs) stay, stay in engineering. And it's a a certain type of engineering because some engineering can get very ambiguous too. Um, But, you know, stay in engineering, don't go into PM, you'll have a miserable time. Nothing is defined, (laughs) you know? Um, The second skill is communication. And I, and I mean that. It's going to be really hard to do your job if you don't know how to say, I need help. I'm here to help you. How do we work together to get something done? Uh, those are all key skills. And it's not just, oh, yeah, like I'm a good team player. If you're saying you're a good team player, you're probably not a good team player. You're probably either really bossy or like a one man band. And I've seen very few PMs that are successful being a one man band or woman band. Um, <laughs> You know, so you need that. Um, so the, the next question, the one that I get often is, can I be a PM without any coding skills? And I think that's kind of like the question you're asking, like what kind of technical skills do I need? And the answer is yes, because there are so many different kinds of PMs, right? There are hardware PMs. So if you come from a hardware background and you can do that, there's what we call, um, I think they're called PMMs, program, no, MPMs, marketing program managers. Um, so basically you are a program manager in that you're, you're specific to a a whole service or a product, but you focus on building blogs, videos, getting conference material ready, stepping in as needed, orchestrating how it's, how it's going to go, how it's going to look in marketing. So your PM would say, here's the content that I want. I've built it. I've written the blog, but I don't worry about where it goes. I don't worry about Twitter and like how it gets surfaced. I don't worry about how popular is this uh, blog and should I make sure that it stays front of page every day? Let's say if you like marketing, no coding, but you might need relevant experience from the area that you're in. So for example, our product, uh, our marketing product manager used to be an engineer. 
So she's really technical. She understands everything, but she just chose to do that. And she doesn't code to any extent, but she has deep understanding of the engineering. So there's, there's kind of different PMs, even well, this is within my company. Of course, every company is different, but yeah, like I don't, I don't code anything in production. Nothing I code will go into production. At most, the things I air quotes code will be like tutorials, sample Python notebooks, because our product is in Python. I might code, you know, a little bit of that, add it, publish it. You might run it. I might get on a call with a customer and obviously see that they're doing something wrong with the way that they're using our SDK. And I might jump in or tell them to fix something. Like that's the extent of my coding. But I know a PM that used to actually code internal tests for the engineers in his group to run. And he would have to go through what we call like release gates and build processes. So, um, and some don't do anything. Yeah, not even to the extent that I touch code. They don't, don't read it, don't touch it, nothing. Um, so it can really vary, but all, you must have an architectural understanding of computer science to be a tech PM. So technical product okay. manager. You need to understand um, databases at a high level. Uh, get comfortable with high level running a SQL query. This is not from a coding perspective, but a metrics perspective. Understand what it means to scale. If you're working in cloud, understand what cloud is, right? Like an right. like a yeah, web just service. understand the product you're working with. Yeah, and yes, and the technologies that light up that product. Right. So you don't have to know how to implement a certain feature, but you need to know what the feature is going to end up doing and things that you can use to help that feature or whatever. Yeah, because you'll likely be on a customer call and you can't tell a customer. Customers are not always happy with here's the value prop. Like, yeah, this thing makes it faster. Okay, but how did you do that? Oh, does it run on Spark? Oh, does, you know, there, you have to understand some of the high level functionalities that light up a work stream. You need to be technical at that. I don't need to tell you exactly like, here is the package and the language that we use to code it, you know, but I would tell you like, here's the stack that was used to light up this feature. When you were interviewing, did you know how technical your role was while you were interviewing? We had a, a lunch interview. So that's a portion of the interview that's uh, not really an interview. It's like not even behavioral, the break. just lunch. Yeah, it's like a break, but you have someone there having a break with you and you ask questions about culture, blah, blah, blah. And I told them like, look, I have very limited um, experience in the organization that I was in that that topic a very little uh, experience with this like is there a ramp up period like how patient will they be uh, since this isn't my expertise and you know i was told like don't even sweat it we have someone who came in with even less experience than you in that field and they were like half finance half ml and they're fine now you know like we ramp them up they're doing great and they're only six months into their job so like we'll we'll start you out really small and then you'll you'll catch on you definitely will because we work with so many customers you gotta but during my interview, the kinds of questions I got were like a lot of coding questions, but I was given the option not to code. But as far as I know, they were the same things I'd seen in leak code, you know, like, but it was a lot more about the design and like, can I problem solve Then like, here's the syntax and here's the data structure. None of them were really interested in, Hey, can you give me the best or optimal solution? Like, that's not even a question. It's, can you communicate the problem to me? Can you think of edge cases? Are you critically thinking? And what happens if the first one fails? Cool. That sounds fun. It was. It was fun. I'm not gonna lie. What does your like workload typically look like? Are you talking to customers all day? Are you talking more to the devs about like what they need to be implementing and stuff? Yeah. So or is it like a 50-50? Or does it just change based on the season? 
I want to <laughs> say it's like based on based on the alignment of the stars and where the moon is. You know, it 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 changes every day. One day it might be like back to back customer calls. Like I'm just talking to customers, uh, waking up at 7 a.m., going to sleep like at 11, just talking to them because they're all over the world. Other days I don't talk to customers for a couple of days, and it's really just me going to design reviews um, for different features that are getting lit up, trying to ramp up on why we're, let's say like, I might know that a customer is asking for something and I might go talk to my data science and engineering team. And we all agree, okay, this is a valid customer ask, but I don't actually understand the value prop from that ask, right? That's more of a data science thing, but it's always beneficial for me to learn. So I might spend some time, just block out my calendar, go research, go learn, write documentation so that I really understand what they're building. But yeah, like guaranteed, I have never gone a day without one meeting, like without at least one meeting. So there's a meetings galore. Uh, there's like a funny saying, which is we go to all the meetings so our engineers don't have to. You know, that's the you, you a better name for us is probably like protector of the engineers <laughs> rather than a, <laughs> than a product manager, my two cents. So, uh, yeah, my workload is usually meetings, whether it's internal or customers or just time I block for research. But we also have what I call like conference season. So there'll be random one month periods, one to two month periods where I'm just preparing decks and presenting like a madman. I probably work like easily 60 hour weeks um, when it's conference season. So that's pretty crazy versus other times, you know what, it might be lighter. I might only work, I don't know, 30 hours a week on some weeks and, it, and it's chilling, but uh, it, it all balances up. <laughs> Right. So the conference time periods are like you actually like now you have to sell, get out there and like get the product out there. This is what we're doing. This is why it matters. Yeah. And it, it becomes harder when you're not selling the product because the product is already live. But now I have to tell you what's new, you know, mm. who has used it to prove like, OK, let me give you an example. Let's say we're selling like a really cool piggy bank. Right. And we swear that this piggy bank is so awesome. It looks cool. It, it helps you with finances that everyone who uses it is going to save 10% more money than they did in the previous years. So this piggy bank, right. We have a conference and we launch and we're like, this is our piggy bank. It's out a year later. We have a conference. We can't say, Hey, look, here's our piggy bank. It's out. Like the same attendees are going to be like, okay, we've seen this before. What's new. And sometimes nothing's new. That's the thing. Sometimes we, it's quality, like we fixed some bugs. We noticed that people didn't like the design, but you can't say that at a big conference. So what you have to say is look at famous person A that was able to get their kids to save. And, you know, you have to come up with stories of people who are actually using it and have actual success that's credible. People that are recognized, that matter, and that takes forming a relationship with those people, building a design with them, getting them to agree to to um, you know, have their name mentioned or even come to the conferences live. And then you need to also be prepared for people who have never seen your product before. So you need to address like two markets. So it gets harder the longer your product is actually out. That's interesting because that's something to consider if you're joining like a startup as a PM or if you're joining uh, an existing product as a PM. What are some actionable steps that someone can take if they wanted to go into product management? Yeah. And this is my favorite part because I always ask people for actionable steps. Mm -hmm. I would say the, the first one is a little bit of a request, not a, not a step. And that's that you take a deep, hard look at what you want. So I, I have heard people saying like, oh, I'm not technical. I'm going to be a PM. You 
That's the wrong way to approach it. That's the wrong way to approach it. Exactly. Because you might end up coding anyways, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but there's uh, still technical aspects to the job. There's still technical aspects. And the truth is, if if you're trying to escape being technical, you're not going to move up. That's the truth. You might get in. You might do kind of good. But the people who rise to the top, and I've seen it. I I see the people who are at the top are those who are want to know the tech. They want to know more. They want to get as involved as they can. They want to push the limits of what the tech can do just as much as their engineering counterparts. You should, if you're not best friends with your engineering counterpart, if you guys are not speaking the same lingo, it's not, you're not going to be successful. Your product's not going to be successful. Your metrics are not going to show it. Um, So I would say like my request is one, really think about why, like, why are you even thinking about being a PM? You know, Um, the second one is you better have even though I've met so many who don't, but you have to have a knack for talking. Um, you have to know how to sell yourself, sell a product without sounding like BS. If you're, if you're going to do that, I, I don't want to insult any other major or whatever, but business sales, sales, that stuff works. That's what those people like to hear. But the kind of people that PMs are talking to are data scientists, engineers, people yeah, you that can't, don't always You can't have, beat around the bush. You can't uh-huh. buzzword, up, buzzword them up. Buzzword. Exactly. They're logical. They call BS. They, 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 I've seen people just wave their hand in meetings. They're like, I will uh, uh, skip to the good stuff. You know what I mean? Like uh, I've been in presentations when you're talking to CTOs, as opposed to CEOs, you'll be amazed. They'll straight up tell you like, I'm not interested in this business app stuff. Show me the, show me the machine learning, show me the AI, show me the code. And, And you have to, you have to one, learn how to adapt. But two, you have to know that you're selling authentically. You understand the product or whatever you're working on, and you're selling authentically. So, so make sure that you can sell without sounding like a salesman, right? It just means that you know how to communicate, have good communication skills. So what's actionable there? Join clubs, um, request to do two talks. If you have a group project and someone has to present, even if you're not comfortable doing it alone, make sure you're part of that presentation practice your presentation skills it will pay off it's okay if you get stage fright i have a horrible stage fright but i get it done um so that's that's actionable work on that and i think that's a good skill no matter pm or not that's my two cents for sure would you consider that like uh like tutoring or teaching jobs help because you're working on communicating technical bits to people who don't understand it Maybe. So for PM role, I would not, my first recommendation would not be, hey, go be a TA or um, a tutor. That's always helpful though, because there's no better way to learn than to teach. And it also shows you how to be a good mentor. And if you want to be a manager later, super, super useful to learn that. Uh, what I would recommend is actually getting involved in any kind of startup, any kind of a club or extracurricular where there is planning involved. You guys need, you guys have a certain amount of money. You guys have a certain amount of sponsorship. You need to contact people, organize things, make sure that there is outcome. Because the thing is you could tutor people and you don't know what the outcome is. You don't know those people passed with flying covers or if they failed. But if you spent, you know, two weeks planning an event and you got five sponsors out and attendee of 500 attendees and, you know, the 400 resumes submitted, that's numerical stuff that shows that you can deliver. Even if it's not technical, it shows that you were able to you know, given short timelines, given harsh requirements, succeed and push something out. And if you could do that with a tech or you could do that with an event, those kind of skills are transferable. So that's my recommendation rather than tutoring. Gotcha. That's really insightful. I like that a lot. 
So you think that being part of uh, UPE was one of the biggest contributors to acquiring all the skills that you needed to be the best PM that you are? I definitely think I learned things um, in the honor society that helped me understand that I would enjoy a PM role. Like as they were describing it, I was like, oh, I've done that with with this honor society and I really liked it. Um, it, It seems to align what you're talking about, but just more in a technical space, which is what I like. But I would say more than anything, my last internship, um, I won't say the company's name, but I worked on an internship in a big company. But the organization that I was in was very much like a startup. Total of 200 people, including everyone, like QA, quality assurance, marketing, engineers, everyone. We were just 200 people. And in that space, I had to do everything. I had to do requirements building. I had to pitch it to um, the, the top manager, so like the VP of the org. Uh, I had to talk to him about why I saw success in that, how much money we ended up saving the, the program. And I also had to talk to him about my goals because at the end of the internship, they ask you what you want to be. And at the end, because this, this company has different requirements for who can be a PM, they don't let new grads be PMs. Um, he told me, he's like, you know, after listening to your pitch, after seeing how you've worked and, and talking to the person who managed you during your internship, I think that if you were to stay with us, uh, you're right on track for a PM role. Like he said this, I never showed interest in the role. I still didn't fully understand it, but he and so many other people started to tell me that, that I would be a good fit for PM, even though I was performing in technical roles. And I, I kid you not, my first internship ever, I was 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. And my manager told me, you're going to be a, a young manager. Like you're right on track to be a manager. I'm like, oh my God, I'm 20 years old. I can't manage anyone. He's like, no, no, no. Don't underestimate yourself. You're going to be a manager. Second time, my VP, the internship told me I'm going to be a PM. And then I get told, you know, at my current job, like, you, you know, you're going to be a manager. And it's not, it's not that I have great managing skills. I've never managed anyone. It's that communication that I talked about. It's that checking in to make sure that things are actually going to happen because nothing is worse from a PM in my perspective, the biggest red flag oh yeah, I did all this stuff, but then I got bored. Then it never came to anything. So don't waste my time. Like show me results. And, and, and that's hard. That's hard. That's not actionable. So that's why I didn't say it. And that's what I was thinking about. But anything you can do to prove that you can show results, it, it's more important as opposed to like research. I would say results are less important. But what's more important is that you really dove deep into something that you tried out different things that you were trying to cut and break into different pieces but what you got out of it is a different story. You know what I mean? Like, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, that is useful because, you know, it totally changes the way you would like craft a resume. For example, you would look for things that highlight outcomes. Whereas like for me, it would be like things that I had to think and use and why those are interesting things to think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's the, the nature of your job. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the nature of your job. Yeah, it, it's 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 hard for me to put into words because I don't want to give I don't want to give overly ambiguous advice, but it's an overly no, ambiguous role. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, I think that's super super good and super helpful. Okay, that's really all I have. My my last advice. Uh, this is this is advice though. This is not well. Maybe it's actionable. Get yourself a mentor. Yesterday. <laughs> you know, anyone, whether it's this podcast or a person, get yourself a mentor that you're okay with talking about your, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, and don't be hesitant to sound overly ambitious. You know, that's my advice. Thank you for all the super great tips and tricks. Thanks for listening to me for, you know, ramble for an hour. 
Merci. <rire>